And welcome, everyone, to episode number 12 of Polar Opposites, Cajun The Ruth, Danny Gaslam, alongside myself, Spencer Byers. And today, Cage, we're going to start off hot. We're going to start off, I'm not going to mention any other topics right now. We're going to start with World Cup, FIBA World Cup. You and I, talk, we, you and I did live reactions to every single game except one because my Wi-Fi did go out, which mm-hmm. I was mighty against Serbia which was like arguably the biggest game, no offense to the Americans, because I had a chance to go to a gold, a gold medal. But Canada come out bronze medal winners with a 39-point performance from Dylan Brooks. Yes, yes, make sure I repeat that. 39 points from Dylan Brooks to get, I'm going to say, game MVP at the very least. I think he has another award that they were handing out at the end of the game. I know you were watching. I definitely was not watching at that point. I had other things to do with my time including broadcasting, ironically. But anyway, so Canada come out winners over the Americans. They are technically the top-ranked North American team. I'm not sure if that's the way it will work for the 2024 Paris Olympics. But still, Cage, getting their first medal ever, their highest finish ever at a World Cup, how successful did you see the World Cup being, Cage, and for Canada? Oh, resounding success. Um, And... You forgot to mention the 39 points that he had is a program high. Yes, you heard that right. Dylan Brooks with a program high 39 points. Um, but a resounding success nonetheless, considering that there's still a lot of Canadian talent that didn't play for that FIBA, for the FIBA World Cup. Um, yeah, guys like Andrew Wiggins. Jamal Murray was in the mix, but ultimately uh, still getting used to the regular season grind after the season grind after um, dealing with injury for a couple of years. So, well, and and you have did, a long playoff run as well, Cajun. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's a lot of talent. Matherin, Shaden Sharp, got some of the. Yeah, some of the veterans on that team that I feel like could make a big impact, at least with bigs. You're going to call me crazy for saying this, but Tristan Thompson, he might be good at the FIBA level, a level in terms of like providing a big bruising body on the inside. Um, there, There is a ton of talent on this Canadian team. And the fact that, the fact that what impressed me the most is how quickly they adjusted to the FIBA game in such a short amount of time with the roster, not only with the roster that they had, but with a new coach in the mix too, and Jordy Fernandez. And um, they were in a tough group to begin it, uh, begin it off with France and Latvia. Latvia, granted, they didn't have Porzingis, but they performed better than expected too. And they just wiped that group away. And they took care of that group with ease. Now, sure, they had some stumbles along the way, that Brazil loss should not have happened. But then they showed some serious resolve, especially in that fourth quarter against Spain. And then they took they took care of Slovenia. And then they ran into in a, a more experienced FIBA team in Serbia and it showed. But credit them for bouncing for but credit them for bouncing back. Um the world finally got to see what Canadian talent is and the scary part is there's more there's more to come um they saw sga rj barrett 
Dwight Powell, Kelly Olenek, stalwart Kelly Olenek. Obviously, um, Dylan Brooks, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But then there were some under-the-radar guys that really made an impact, too, like Trey Bell Haynes, Melvin Edgem, Zach Eady, Phil Scrub, U-Sports legend. Um, They really showed up and stepped up, stepped up for their, uh, stepped up for their country. And the scary part, and the scary part is, they're only going to get better. Yeah, Cage, and and I think the thing you you mentioned there that I want to kind of piggyback off of is Shade, uh, Shade and Sharp with Portland, Benedict Matherin with uh, the Pacers, who I included in my duos we did a couple weeks ago after Bleacher Report posted their awful, no good, rotten, stinky uh, top five duos in the NBA. Terrible. And then, ter- terrible, as Charles Barkley would say, you know. And, and then you all, Zach Eady, I think, deserves to get mentioned in there as well because mm-hmm. I think Eady is technically older than Sharp because Sharp got drafted, not even really playing a college year. He did have that forced year after high school. You must, for the NBA, if you didn't know, to be drafted into the NBA, you must have one year post-secondary. So one year after high school, it will take for you to be drafted in the NBA. It doesn't matter if you play for a pro team, if you play for a college, if you play for technically, I'll say, an elite team like the Thompson brothers did or for the G League at night team. Either way, I think technically the Thompson brothers were at an, uh, overtime, I believe is what their program is called. They're in a different um, – Overtime elite. Own, yeah, overtime elite. I think they're in their own different kind of program type of thing. Yeah. But regardless – it's just one year post. He played at Kentucky, technically. He never played, though. He basically got redshirted at Kentucky because of injury and then declared anyway and then got drafted by Portland. And it's looked with flashes rather impressive. But, and he's going to sh- and he's going to show even more if that little trade inevitably happens. Well, and but even if it doesn't, they're going to play him. They're going to find minutes for that young man. The same thing with Matherin getting his sophomore season underway with, with the Pacers. I think you forgot to mention Andrew Nemhard, also with the Pacers. Nemhard. Th- I'm not sure how much upside Andrew's got, but I know what he is, and he started a lot of games this year in the NBA. You've also got his brother Ryan Nemhard playing this year for Gonzaga, fresh transfer out of Crichton, which we will talk about again. When the college season starts, I'm a college fan. I'm telling you, we're talking about college ball throughout this pod. I, that's why I'm going to get Cajun to go multi-week with me when the NBA season inches a little bit closer because there's going to be so much ball going on between college ball and NBA ball, the end of uh, WNBA ball. A lot of stuff going on, you know, coming yes, in the next sir. month and a half or so, especially just before the NBA season starts October 24th. But, you know, there's a lot of young talent for Canada. Not only SGA, Dylan Brooks, who are not old. Like, those guys, you know, RJ Barrett, they're all – you know, 24, 25, I think, I think Brooks is the oldest of the three, of those three, you know, like the stars of Canada right now are young, and they're only going to get spearheaded by guys below them who are younger and could be better. No offense to SGA, who's a first-team All-NBAer, but you've got guys, you know, younger than him who are going to push him, and we still have Jamal Murray, who has not played yet for Canada at the international level, at least recently, again, because of the long um, playoff run. Andrew Wiggins, who has not played for Canada in forever, who who has said he will play for Canada, just not yet kind of thing. 
So we'll see if he mm-hmm. does show up for the Olympic team in Paris. But all of that to say, Cajun, with how good the World Cup performance was, all of those things, it's looking forward to that 2024 Olympics we keep mentioning in Paris. And the Americans do seemingly have a roster. LeBron James is already committed to going next year, which I think then takes away Cajun the idea that he's going to take a year off or is going to retire after this season if he's going to go to the Olympics, in my mind. And he's trying to recruit Steph Curry and Kevin Durant to go. And there's other guys who are going to go, you'd expect. So, Cage, what do you, who do you expect to go for the Americans? And is there a team that's going to be able to stop a fully loaded U.S. roster at the 2024 Olympics? In terms of talent, I don't think there's a team that can fully stop the loaded amount of talent that USA has. But here's one problem. One, the ages coming off, and you would think the LeBron, KD, and Steph would be coming off of lengthy, not only lengthy NBA regular seasons, but lengthy lengthy playoff runs as well. Given that the t- given the teams that they're at, one of the names that I do expect to see, and I think would actually thrive in a FIBA setting, is Devin Booker, um, because he played more or less so that. That style of basketball, like playing off the ball, defending. He played that in Tokyo, and he also played that during his Kentucky days, too. So Devin Booker's one name. Um, and then if Draymond Green's in there, I'm like, yeah, they definitely lose. And then um, you got to th- you got to think if. He is he, if he's healthy, maybe Anthony Davis. Um, but Kuzma said, but Kyle Kuzma said something that kind of like raised my eyebrows a bit because, in a way, he's actually right. You can have all the talent in the world, but you got to play your role. But you got to play your role when it comes to FIBA basketball because it's a different animal from NBA basketball. And the USA during this current during this past World Cup. Didn't adjust. Didn't adjust to the FIBA style quick enough. And he said this: USA basketball better get some NBA stars that know how to play a role. Anybody can be nice with the ball in their hands, but can you be cool with defending and going to the corner for a few possessions? And this is where ego comes in. You got to have a lack of that. In terms of. In terms of playing FIBA basketball, now the good news is LeBron, KD, Steph—they've been there. They've done. They've been there, done that. At the FIBA, not only at the FIBA level, but at the Olympic level too. So, my only worry is like the rest of the guys, aside from LeBron, KD, and Steph, and maybe Booker, who's played at an Olympic level, and has thrived too. And age too, because they're playing lengthy regular season. They're playing. They're coming off a lengthy NBA, a lengthy NBA regular season too. Granted, some of those guys from like other countries do, Canada included. But it's going to be interesting to see. Talent wise, they'll blow every team out the water. But it's not. But as we saw during the previous work FIBA World Cup, talent doesn't always meet. It doesn't always guarantee championships. 
No, it doesn't. And Cajun, something that just popped up on my screen here that we're going to talk about now because I've just found it is the NBA website has posted a who should be on the who should be on Canada's roster for 2024 Olympics. So let's go through it since since it's on the NBA website, we might as well look at it. So the guards they think that should go in 2024, obviously implying health. Is Shea Gildas Alexander, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jamal Murray, and Corey Joseph are their four guards. Saying apologies to Trey Bell Haynes, Andrew Nemhard, uh, Kevin Pangos, and Phil Scrub. Now, no offense to Corey, uh, Corey Joseph, but I think Nemhard would get in over Joseph. And that's Joseph, one of the mo- probably most experienced Canadians there are. At the at the Olympic and World Cup level, at the FIBA level, I guess I should say, but I think Nemhard would get it over him, personally. Personally, I disagree because experience, especially at the Canadian FIBA level, doesn't matter, especially in like a big stage like the Olympics. And Corey Joseph has a ton of that. He's been uh-huh. there, done that. Now, and, in terms of ta- in terms of talent wise. I think Nemard would be a better it would be is better than Joseph, but it isn't just about talent. It's about fit and like what can you teach, what can you get, what can you give in terms of like FIBA experience to those guys. And Corey Joseph has a lot of that. So maybe it's not because it's not because of talent, but like they need somebody like that. They had somebody like that in Kelly Olynyk. They they um, did at the World Cup. But Corey Joseph's Corey Joseph has been a steady presence at the guard position. Um, and in a volatile event like the Olympics, especially in group play where anything can happen, you need somebody like that. And then looking at the wing position, R.J. Barrett, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, Melvin yep. Edgem, and Andrew Wiggins. And then apologies to um, O'Shea Brissett, Benedict Matherin, um, Olivier uh, Prosper, the most recent draft pick out of I, I actually can't remember who, but I not to say Rutgers, but he just got uh, drafted, and then Shaden Sharp, uh, Shaden Sharp, burned me. So three really young guys there, not making the team in Matherin, Prosper, and and Sharp. I'm surprised they have Matt Edgem there, but he's he, he, it kind of comes down to what I mentioned about. Corey Joseph, he's a fever veteran. He, he's a he's a fever veteran, and he doesn't, doesn't play a lot of minutes, but he'll be one of those like do do it all guys who plays under the radar but plays hard. Um, now, a little bit of like an eye like a, like an an eyebrow raiser is the fact that Matherin got left left off of that and Sharp. But their time will come. I think Matherin will make it over Edgem by the time next year starts. I think Matherin's going to take a big step forward. Again, I think a lot of this will depend on seasons. Like, say Matherin stumbles, then I don't think he'll make the team. But if Matherin plays great, then I think he'll make the team. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. next year's really going to matter for these young guys. The older guys, it won't. Like, for Wiggins, for Barrett, for Murray, for SGA. Like, they're already going to make the team. As long as they show up, they make they, they show up for the first tryout cage. They're gonna make the team, right? 
It's the guys that, you know, if they really struggle next year, whoever it may be, you know, we could see some guys left off. Like, you know, no offense to Lou Dort, but say Lou Dort has a struggles really bad next year for whatever reason, just struggles. And Mathurin has a great year. I wouldn't be surprised if they make that switch. And that's not because none, you or I think anything less of Lou Dort. I am a big advocate for Lou Dort. I think he's one of the best defenders in the NBA, one of the better, arguably the best defender on Canada. If you don't think Dylan Brooks is the best defender on Canada, who is another one of the top defenders in the NBA, you know, so it's great to have both. You have two great stoppers, not just one. But, mm-hmm. you know, if if Dort struggles, you, I could see a guy like Matherin jumping up and taking spot because again that youth and and the athleticism and all those things but you know we'll, we'll have to see and then to the big guys there's three centers well i'll say three centers but three bigs is what they call them olenic kelly olenic dwight powell and i don't know with charles bedica bedico bediaco bediaco there you go what was their extra center it's basically a, it, it's an interesting pick. It's a very interesting pick, and I remember seeing him. Um, well, where did he, who did he play for at like at the rep level? Um, Ridley, Ridley College. Um, him and Jaden, him and his brother Jaden, were playing at Ridley College. Um. And he has some good touch on the inside. So this is a pick out of left. But this is, if there's one weakness of this Canadian team, it's their bigs. Um, they don't have the same amount of depth and star talent as, say, on the guards and wing side. So it just comes down to who will play the FIBA game better. And this might be a pick. And to be honest, I don't know. Aside from Olenek and Powell, because they've been Olympic, they've been FIBA FIBA mainstays for Team Canada. It's going to be interesting to see who gets that third spot. You would think a guy like Brandon Clark would get it, but after tearing his Achilles, I don't know if he'll be up to up to speed for the Olympic level by the time that comes around. Boucher might be a name, but then again, will his will his size be a pro, will his size and um. And length, um, will his size be a problem when they play teams like Serbia, Latvia, Lithuania? And then Edie. We've seen him in stretches. He's looked good with, with, with a soft touch. But can he get, but can he adjust defensive, adjust good, adjust enough defensively, but they're not bleeding points? If there's one name that I do like from that and I can see making a big impact, Trey Laws is a sneaky good name there in terms of the bigs. So either way, like either way, it just comes down to who's going to be going to be the better fit for this Canadian team. And to be honest, aside from Olympic and Powell, I have no clue. Well, not to interrupt you there, occasion, but I'll I'll give you the litany of names too, and the way they did it. So they gave you the names, and then they said apologies too, and then gave you all the honorable mentions. There, they have a lot of honorable mentions, comparatively speaking, to the guards and the bit and the and the uh, and the and the forwards. So of the bigs, they have Kyle Anderson or Kyle, Kyle Alexander. Pardon me, I don't know how I messed that up. But Kyle Alexander, Kem Birch, 
Chris Boucher, Brandon Clark, Zach Eady, Trey Lyles, and Leonard Miller. Most recent draft pick, I believe. By the T-Wolves. So, a they lot didn't have a of problem. guys that could fit into that third spot over Vidiaco because he will be playing for the Spurs after going undrafted this year. So, you've got what? I don't know where Alexander is right now, but Birch NBA, Boucher NBA, Clark NBA, Edie back in college, Trey Lyles is in the NBA, Bidiaco will be in the NBA, and Leonard will be in the NBA. So that's a lot of guys in the NBA that are going to be fighting for that third spot behind Powell and, and Olenek. And you I got to think it's going to be a guy that's, that's, tall, that's over seven feet. So that might give Chris Boucher a little bit of a step down because they're going to be looking for a guy that's a little bit bigger than Powell, a little bit bigger than Olenek which might give an advantage to guys like E.D. playing at the college level. And, and I believe even Leonard, I believe, is over seven feet. But I'll check that quick. I ha- I got a name that he ain't seven feet. But the way he plays on the offensive glass could bode well for Team Canada, especially especially trying to get stuff done on the inside. Tristan Thompson. Back with the Cavs. Freshly back with the Cavs. He has experience, um, too. He has experience and he gets the dirty work done on the boards and on the inside too. And that's what Canada sorely needs. Um, because Powell is that type Powell is that type of guy like pick and like running the pick and roll, but not really much of a rebounder in, in comparison to Tristan Thompson, who has made a living grabbing rebounds. And playing defense and playing defense and knowing his role, so a guy like that might not be a might not be such a bad idea for Team Canada, even though they'll if even though if he's their third big, they'll be de- they'll definitely be undersized. And here, ironically, Cage, I'll make sure I say this. So they put Miles uh, or Leonard Miller, pardon me, at the uh, bigs because he's six ten. But he technically doesn't play big. He's a small forward. He's a really tall forward. So I don't even know if he'll make the team because he'll technically be put in the same pool as guys like Benedict Matherin, who's 6'6", who's an undersized small forward, and guys like Prosper, who's a fresh draft pick as well. Right? So I don't, I'm sure Miller will have a chance at this roster, even though he, depending on how well he plays for the T-Wolves, we'll have to see. But I think, again, no offense to Bidiaco unless he absolutely balls out with the, with the Spurs, which he could, you know, which, which he absolutely could. He'll have all the all the time in the world because the Spurs are most likely, even with Lembanyama, are going to be terrible. They're going to be terrible. So you'd expect that he'll have all the chances in the world to improve with with Greg Popovich. But I think Zach Eady still has a great chance of taking that third big spot because he'll be a star at Purdue. And if Purdue does anything, it'll be because of Zach Eady. No offense to the rest of that team and Coach Painter. So it'll be really interesting to see, Cage. Really interesting to see what the Canadian yep. team looks like and what the American team looks like. And no offense, what the European team look like. To European teams, because you're going to see Nick, the Serbians who got the silver medal. They're going to have their best player back in, in Nikola Jokic. The Germans, the best player in the world, who are reigning World Cup champions, have Franz Wagner. Have Mo, Vog, uh, Mo Wagner. They have Dennis Schroeder, who was the MVP of the whole tournament. You know, you've got other, like Greece, they're going to get back Giannis. You know, Doncic, obviously, going to be back with Serbia. We're going to have some big players back at the Olympics. 
the Americans are not going to be the only team with NBA talent. Yes, they may have the most NBA talent, but only five of them can play at a time. Yeah. And are they used to the FIBA rule set? Some of them? Maybe. LeBron, of course. KD, if he goes, of course. KD. Steph. Steph, of course. But some guys won't. And we'll see if that does hinder them like it did the young guys that went to this World Cup that got fourth place. That did not get a medal at the World Cup. And to piggyback off that, Giannis, a couple of things he's been in the headlines for, Cage, and I want you to take this one. Apparently, Giannis has been saying Noah Lyles was right, quoting himself by saying that he didn't even know he needed to say it. He did not know he even needed to say it. He thought it was obvious that the world champions in the NBA were not the world champions. I'm going to read this quote in full. I wanted to back him up so bad. He received so much backlash for saying the obvious. But I think some people don't understand it. I, I think it's, I don't know, maybe it's like, sorry, how can I say this politely? Maybe it's just an arrogance thing, you know? I don't think in any other sport you are called the world champions. In soccer, which is way bigger than the NBA, more popular than the NBA, when they win the Champions League, they say you are the UEFA Champions League champions or whatever the case might be. They don't say the world champions. When they win the World Cup, they play against the USA team. They play against the teams around the world, countries around the world. Then they say they're the world champs. But in the NBA, you say they're the world champs. Um, Oh, and then... It continues. For me, I think Ginobili said it the best. Um, because they won in 2006, Argentina won the World Cup. I'm the world champ. You guys are the NBA champs, but I'm the world champs because I went and beat the Greek team that I beat the USA team the previous game. I beat the Spanish team. I beat the Brazilian team. So I'm the world champ. I agree. At the end of the day, in order for you to be the world champ, you have to beat the world. And he understands, and he said, and he to paraphrase what Elsie, what Elsie said, he understands that the NBA is the best league in the world and the talent in the NBA is far and by far the best in the world. But you can't say you're the world champs because you played in the best league in the world. Um, and he ended to... And then to wrap it up, he said... I might get some backlash from this, but I really do not care. I totally agree with him because I feel like he's in the he's like he's in the world stage. He as in Noah Lyles. He's the best in the US, for example, and then he goes and competes against other athletes from other countries and then he thrives in that. So that's when you are the world champ. When you compete against everybody in the world. It's a long story short. I totally agree with him. And in quote in correction to that quote. Ginobili led Argentina to a medal at the 04 Olympics. Um, and he's not the only person that says this. Greg Popovich has said this before, too. So this is this is an interesting quote for Giannis, and he said a lot during this podcast. Um mm-hmm during his appearance on 48 Minutes, um, which is a podcast hosted by a former Bucks assistant coach, Ross Geiger. Um, and, you, and you and I were talking about this before. The Europeans have that mindset. It's most of the Europeans that have this mindset, but he mentioned, he meant, Giannis mentioned the word arrogance. I'm going to mention another word, entitlement. 
the Americans have a lot of that, of both of that. And I think that's playing a that's playing a role. I saw some crazy stuff on Twitter right after um, Noah Laws made those comments, and it's ironic that Noah Laws made that because he's an American. On top of that, but I heard we saw saw a tweet from Aaron Gordon. It's like, man, whatever. I'm smoking him in the 200 meters. I'm like, that's a specialty. I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, you stupid. I'm like, that's a specialty sport. Uh, that's just, that that's basically a specialty. So he is right about one thing that when it comes to um, when it comes to stuff like the NBA and Americans, they are arrogant and they are entitled. Um, and I think what's going to happen during next year's Olympics is going to be a movie, literally. I guess we'll see if that's true, Cage, but it's definitely, again, as you and I talked about before and as you mentioned, it's definitely a more European mindset because you mentioned soccer. But to give context, because in fairness to people who believe that, the, like I, as I, I'll say I do, that the NBA champion is the world champion, even though it's not a world championship because they obviously don't have another, they don't have European teams in it. In fairness, in soccer, they don't, they don't have, like, to, to, I guess, try to explain it, is they have different leagues. The Champions League is its own thing. They have individual mm-hmm. leagues where they, like, the English Premier League, what, technically the EPL now, well, which is the English Premier League, I guess I should say. I'm thinking of the Barclays Premier League, which it was called before. The Spanish Premier, or the Spanish League, La Liga, Serie A, which is Italy, Ligue 1, which is France, um, Germany, which is the Bundesliga, like, those are top five leagues. And then you have other leagues like in Portugal, like in Belgium, which are decent leagues. Russia has an okay league. Um, even Ukraine, Shakhtar Donetsk are a, a good, really good team out in Ukraine. Like, there are great teams all over the world in soccer, which is why they have the Champions League. It's because there always will be a dispute on who's the best team in the world, because who's the best team in the world, because... You know, you have champion in England, champion in Spain, champion in Italy, champion in France, whatever, champion in Germany, right? Mm. We don't really have that in these sports, in the North Americanized sports, like in football and baseball and hockey and in in basketball. Yes, there are European leagues that are really good, but they're not comparable to what we have here in North America. They aren't. Like, no offense Mm -hmm. to Euro League, no offense to the KHL, which is the second best hockey league which I honestly think is probably the most comparable like-to-like with the NHL of any league. There really isn't a top football league. It is not American. Baseball, same thing. I would say that they probably a Central American league with the Dominican Republic, with Cuba, that have really good players that would be able to, to put a number on the MLB teams, but it just is not comparable. It isn't. In rule set and in just player base. So... Do I think it is wrong to say they're the world champions? No. But do I disagree with the Europeans and with Noah Lyles who say they aren't world champions? No, because in fairness, they're they're right. Like they aren't they aren't actually world champions. But they are world champions, if you understand what I'm saying, Cage. Mm-hmm. Like they aren't like actually, but they are because they just they are. Like if we put them up against the best Euroleague team, the game wouldn't be close. In my opinion, the game wouldn't be close. That's no offense to Real Madrid or any team that could win it. But there's a reason why players that can't make it in the NBA go to the Euroleague. 
Yeah. Right? Like, there, there is a reason for that. The same thing with why players go from the NHL to the KHL. You know? Or vice versa. When the player is so good in the KHL, they come to the NHL. Or when the players are doing great in the Euro League, they come to the NBA. Like, no offense, if the Euro League is so great, then why did Nikola Jokic come over? Why did Luka Doncic come over? Luka Doncic has said that the Euro League's harder. Then why isn't he playing there? Right? Yep. Like, in fairness... Two of those entitled Americans, which of course they are, because North Americans are rather entitled. I include Canadians in that. And no offense to Mexico, but they get lumped in with us. <laughs> you know, like, in fairness, you know, they're not wrong, but they aren't world champions in actuality. But we will continue to call them that. At the end of the call, Cage, You'll be damned if you're not going to hear Joe Buck yell when the World Series champion is crowned in October. The world champions of baseball. Yep. Or the Super Bowl champions are the world champions of football. Like, it's not going to change. In fairness to Noah Lyles also. But to quickly continue with Giannis, he also made headlines with, as you mentioned there, with, with that comment about the world champions. He also got in trouble on that same podcast by saying... You know, by, by saying he's willing to lead the Bucks if there's a better situation. And here's the full quote of that. At the end of the day, I am a winner. What a comment by that, by the way. I want to be a winner. Contracts, fame, status, comfort zone does not matter to me. What matters to me at the end of the day is that he, is that is that thing right there. And then he pointed at the, the Larry O'Brien trophy, the NBA title. That's what matters. And I don't want to be able to I don't want to be able to get stuck in this lifetime, to keep on talking about the same story. Oh, we went to game six in the NBA Finals. We won. We were down 2-0. We came back. We won four games. I'm tired of hearing the same story over and over again. And the quote continues for quite a while. I won't continue it, but, you know, I'll see if I can skim through it here and find the comment where he says that he's willing to leave it. At the end of the day, but at the end of the day, if the Milwaukee Bucks organization, which is the same thing as I say every single year, I've been with the Bucks. As long as we are in for a championship, as long as nobody's comfortable, as long as everybody's sacrificing the same amount of time, sweat, and blood that I've sacrificed for the city to win a championship, we are all good. The moment I feel like people are complacent and they're okay because at the end of the day, this is the NBA, you you, you are taken you are taken care of. You stay at a five-star hotel, you eat the best food, lobster, you go and, and drink wine. I don't drink, but you know, as you can tell by his language, you know, you get a chapter, blah, 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 blah you know, yeah, I don't want to be comfortable. I want us to win championships. So obviously Giannis is saying he just wants his guys to compete, which I think every athlete wants just their guys to compete. But I'm not going to say showing a lack of loyalty because he's been very loyal to the Milwaukee as of late. And they are a small market team in the NBA. You know, but that, if you're a Milwaukee fan, that's worrying. Because that could mean he could leave at any point and just say, you know, I don't think we're going to win. I don't think these guys are trying hard enough. I want out. Send me wherever. Because he'll obviously choose where he's going to go, as I've, as every NBA player does, Cage. But if you were a Bucks fan, how worried would you be by those comments of their star, Giannis Antetokounmpo? First of all, 
I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I, per me personally. I don't think there was anything wrong with what he said. Because at the end of the day, you can be loyal all you want, but it is a business at the end of the at the end of the day and you championships do matter. Championships are a big part of a player's legacy. Um, um, in terms of like, if you're a Bucks fan, yeah, you do have to be worried. That's your best player saying that. Saying arguably, that if he finds arguably best player ever, Cage. Arguably the greatest Bucks player of all time. Um, but. This is more so on the front office. Like, if the front office gets it together and they get get their stuff to get get their stuff together and build, build around Giannis and take winnings to and are serious about cha- not just winning but championship, then I don't think this is an issue. Um, because. In terms of like, in terms of like the Bucks's, this sort of like time, this sort of era in the with this sort of the this sort of Giannis era, they've had some they've had some good playoff performances, but they have they have had some, dare I say it like whole like spectacular flameouts. Last year being one of them against the eight seed of Miami Heat. An opportunity to win game six at home the year before, and they blow that. 2021. You can argue now, at the end of the day, a championship is a championship, but you can argue the opponents that they played weren't exactly the great, the greatest. Brooklyn was their only competition, and they basically did not have Kyrie or James Harden when it mattered, and Phoenix was inexperienced. The year before that, the year before that in the bubble, losing five games to the Heat, and then 2019 blow it to uh, win the first two games at the Eastern Conference Finals, and then the Raptors win the next four. So their playoff history had it not been for 2021, would be very spotty. You can argue it'd be the same thing pre-2019 for the Raptors. So, and at this point, if you're if you're Giannis, one championship isn't enough. You want more. And they have had some spectacular flameouts most recently this past postseason. So I don't blame him for wanting this, wanting the Bucks franchise to be more urgent because loyalty can only take you so far. But they, but if that loyalty is not being reciprocated in terms of competing for it, for being in the most optimal position to com- compete for a title, at some point you gotta look elsewhere. It's like, what do I gotta do for myself? Or like, I want better for myself. I want to win. And I see no problem with what Giannis said. 
And I think the Bucks are sort of on the right track in doing that because it kind of run it ran its ground with Budenholzer. They knew there needed to be a new there needed to be a new voice. And it remains to be seen if Adrian Griffin's going to be that voice for the for the Bucks to lead them to a championship again. But this is going to be something to closely monitor as the season goes along. But to put it all in for to put it short, if you're a Bucks if you're a Bucks fan, I'd be a t- I'd be a tad worried. But it's too it's still too early to tell. Cause fans are loyal if because let's be real, fan, fan, most fans are loyal to a team. But if that team's not performing up to par, you gotta understand that like some of the stars just want better for themselves. And um and a guy like and a guy like Giannis, who has done everything for this Bucks franchise, I think he 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 more he more than has that leeway. I don't disagree with you, Cajun, that he definitely has that type of type of pull. And in fairness, Giannis, he did bring a championship to Milwaukee, only only their second in team history. So he does get a lot more leniency than most other athletes will. And he, I think he's just saying, as you probably said. You know, as I was going through some more other stuff for this for this particular show, you know, that before I mis, misuse my words, I guess I just lost my point. Well, anyway, Giannis is a great player, and teams are going to want him anyway. Oh, there we go. That fans are going to want to hear that anyway. The fans want to win, too. When they have one of the best players in the world, fans are going to want to win. So Giannis is just saying what the fans are thinking, too. That if we're not going to win, then you might as well trade Giannis, get as many young pieces and draft draft picks as you can, and wait for the next player. And yeah, I, I understand that some fans won't feel that way because of that that emotion that Giannis will give you because of how good he's been for the, the, the organization, bringing a championship back to Milwaukee, all that stuff. But the reality is if you're not going to win, then what's the point of having players like Giannis? Right? Kind of right now what the Raptors are, are doing. You know, I know we keep bringing up the Raptors, but at the end of the day, you and I live in Toronto. Toronto is the the mecca for us, and you are a Raptors fan. You know, what's the point of having Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Jakob Pertl if you're not going to win? Like, what's the point mm-hmm. of having players that are all-star caliber, Pascal included, you know, if, if they're not going to win? So I think Giannis is just stating the obvious, that if we're not going to win, if I'm not going to win here, then I will win somewhere else. You know, and he'll get that cash eight because he's already brought a ring there. And of course, the NBA media is going to run with it and make it something that it's not. But it's the obvious. Like, and why he, would you? Know, you why he's would... going to the Lakers or he's going to the Knicks? I already saw a report. He's going to the Knicks. Cage already going to the Knicks. Bruh. Took all of one day, so he's going to the Knickerbockers. We've talked about big. We've talked. We've talked about big market, big market discrepancies, and it's like both of our blood. So let's well, not get you, to that. You, you know, you know it's coming, Kate. You know it's coming. The moment a, a big player doesn't matter who it is, does not matter who it is. The moment they are on the block, 
It's, okay, they're going to Boston, they're going to L.A. to play for either the Clippers or the Lakers, or they're going to um, they're going to the New York. Even to play for Brooklyn, to play for the Nets, but usually it's for the Knicks. Normally, almost I, always it's for the Knicks. Miami got to be added to that list, and, too. And, and now you can sprinkle in Miami, because, of course, you got Pat Riley, and you can sprinkle in the Mavs, because you got Mark Cuban, but they're normally sparse, too. Like, normally, it's the first teams you'll hear— you know, player wants out, Lakers, Knicks. And then you'll hear about Brooklyn or Boston or the Clippers. And then you might hear, oh, Miami might be in the mix. The Mavs might be in the mix. And then you'll hear about everybody Golden else. State. You know, Golden State, if, if it's a big player, if they can afford them. We don't really thought that until they got KD. And then it was everyone's going to Golden State. Yep. But, you know, it it. It was expected. I just thought it was funny that the first article I saw too was Giannis's report of going to the Knicks is the the rumors continue. Like, yeah, the rumors. Get out of here. The rumors. He's gonna go to the Knicks. A team who, a team that placed four spots lower than his team last year in the Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, he's gonna go to the Knicks. Like, are you nuts? Jesus. Hey, like, what a hey, joke. Hey, 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 they moved around further though. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, just because <laughs> just because they can beat the what beat the Cavs, you laid an egg. In the first round. Oh, okay, Cajun. Okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, now we are going to go to my Scrabble board. Cajun, are you ready? We got the Scrabble board all up. I got three names for you. All right. All right? Yep. So first one is LJ. L yep. or before L. I should have said L. So L-J-O-O. Okay. U-A-N-W. Hakeem Olajuwon? It is Hakeem Olajuwon, the the dream from Nigeria, who did represent America at the, during the Dream Team era. He was working out with Giannis most recently, and that was also mentioned in that long interview, and I kept talking about there on that podcast on 48 yep. Minutes. So Hakeem Olajuwon getting his workout now with, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that could make him real dangerous inside working with one of the best big men ever. Now oh, our next man. game. I expect you to get this one, too. Okay. All right? N-O-B-N-R-E. No way. Matt Bonner? No, not Matt Bonner. N O B N R E. I almost want to give you N- a hint. N O B N R E? Yep. You want a hint? Okay. Yeah, give me a hint. She plays in the WNBA. Wait, what's. Okay, I think I know what you're talking I might have stumped them, ladies and gentlemen. I might have stumped them. Dewana Bonner? It is Dewana Bonner. Double, double Bonner had 17 points, 15 rebounds in the Connecticut Suns. Game one win of the WNBA playoffs. Their first series against the Minnesota Lynx in the three versus six seeds. I also want to mention Vegas got their first win of the playoffs as well, getting a 87-59 win over the Chicago Sky in a one versus eight seed. Uh, games going on tomorrow night. 
I had to make sure I did my math there in my head. The games going on tomorrow night are the Washington Mystics versus the New York Liberty, two versus seven, and then the Dream, the Atlanta Dream versus Dallas Wings, the five versus four seed. So WNBA playoffs are in full effect. Their next rounds will be starting on September 24th. And then the finals will be going on October 8th. When we ramp up, Cage, we might actually move it a day early. If the if the WNBA finals start on the 8th, you know, you and I were talking about when we're going to start ramping up and doing some more episodes a week. Maybe it will be the 8th, the eighth, you know, a little, little earlier well, than you and I were planning. Well, we did say the 9th, but if the NBA finals are starting earlier, then why not? If it's one day, especially if it's just one day, Cage, if it's just one day earlier, then we might as well start either – we might either do it pre-game or post-game, or we'll we'll talk about that after. But anyway, so WMA playoffs yep. are in full effect. And the last day occasion, so the third name. Now, I don't know if you'll know this one, but we'll see if you do. Z-G-N-R-I-K-E-C-D-O. All right, give me a clue for this. She is a WNBA player that is currently unsigned. I actually quickly find her last team. I did have it in my head, but I just lost it. And she has been, I'll give you another hint. She has been in the media for a rather unfortunate, is the word I'm going to use for her, unfortunate um, incident. She last played for the Chicago Sky last year. She was in training camp for Chicago in 2022. Drafted by the Indiana Fever. Fourth overall, actually. Do I just give it to you, Cage? Are you Owens? Is this your second miss? Uh... Ooh, it might be your second miss. Did I get him? Go for it. It's Kaiser Gondrasig. Oh, my and, goodness. Oh, my goodness. And the reason why she made our Chicago Boards today, Cajun, as you know, is because she is the ex-girlfriend. I'll make sure I say ex at this point. Of Kevin Porter Jr., who is in the media for a heinous act at this point again i will wait for guilt or innocent on them proven guilty but he has allegedly at least he's going to court for attacking his girlfriend at the time in a new york hotel room and the woman left with a fractured neck vertebrae and a deep cut under or above her right eye kevin porter jr 23 current houston rocket um, is being charged with felony assault and strangulation in connection to the innocent that happened on Monday. And that was this Monday. The girlfriend in question is Kaiser Gondrasik. Kaiser, former WNBA player, currently unsigned, 26 years young. She played five years in college, technically. She only played four years, but she had to take a, a year off because of transfer. She started at Michigan. She's from Michigan, like from Detroit, uh, Michigan, the state. She went to Michigan University, was a Wolverine. She then transferred to West Virginia to be a Mountaineer, and she played three years at West Virginia and was drafted fourth overall. And then has not, has not had the success in the WNBA that she did in college. But still... 
she was the unfortunate, uh, uh, I guess, the unfortunate recipient of a beating from Kevin Porter Jr., who has now been arrested. He did get out on bond, and um, he will be going to court in October for his for this allegation. So, Cage, obviously a heinous act done by Kevin Porter Jr., implying it is true. You have to assume it's true if they've got it on camera and they're prosecuting him, and she has all these injuries that are public knowledge. Um, what do you think should happen to Kevin Porter Jr.? Before we get into, he's now apparently on the block from the Houston Rockets. Not even have to talk about that. The, the basketball at this point is is a lesser story. What do you think should happen? What should the NBA do once this investigation is done? Because the NBA is obviously going to do their own investigation. What do you think they should do to Kevin Porter Jr.? Once they do their investigation. Now, you mentioned something about the Rockets trying to trade Kevin Porter Jr. What are they thinking? In a sort of situation like that, and I and I read that too. You're trying to give away draft comp- compensation for a guy who is about to be prosecuted for beating up his ex-girl. Cut ties. What are you doing? The injuries that I saw there, that I, that I saw, were heinous. It just, it kind of, it, it reminds me of Miles Bridges. A fractured vertebrae and a cut above her right eye, I believe. Um, and strangulation. And in the report, um, she said that Porter Jr. Wrapped, her ha- wrapped his hands around her neck and strangled her, causing her to have difficulty breathing, redness and bruises on her neck, and loss of motion in her right arm. So you're unable to use her left arm. So that's not in- that's included in another charge of strangulation, but that's not included in the injured, ver- like the broken vertebrae and the cut. So not a good look, obviously, you know. Trying to say things without trying to indict him because again he's still gonna get proven guilty of this stuff, you know. You and I just can't inflame just say inflammatory things about him and then it come out that he didn't do it or she doesn't press charges or whatever may happen. So regardless of that, Cage, just the thing. I'll let you go back thing, to the point. The thing is, he's had a he's had a history of getting in trouble with the law too. It isn't. It hasn't just been a one-time thing with him. Like when he was at USC, suspended two games for conduct issues, and then in 2020, um, he was involved in one car crash, and he was charged with improper handling of a firearm in a motor vehicle, failure to control that vehicle, and then possession of weed. Um, Although those charges were eventually dis- dismissed, and then he got drafted by Cleveland. We got we got to remember this. He got drafted by Cleveland, and then got traded to the Rockets. But not because, but not because it just didn't work out. Character issues. Um, during that 2020-21 season, he apparently lost his cool and began throwing things in the locker room after a trade um, that brought in a new player and resulted in his own locker room 
being moved, and then and then he confronted Cavs GM Kobe Altman, and then got traded after, and then got suspended the next season after an altercation with now former Rockets head coach Stephen Silas, with another locker room outburst, and then he got fined fifty thousand dollars that same year for violating the league's health and safety rules by visiting a Miami strip club. So there has been a pattern of trouble with Kevin Porter Jr. And I think there's so many parties to blame for this. Well, Cage, before you continue, I want to add some stuff to what you said. He also was a weapons charge back from 2020 in November when he was still a, a, a Cleveland Cavalier. He was in a single car accident and was charged for prop, improper handling of a firearm in a vehicle, which is a... Oh, yeah, I did, I, did mention, I did mention that. You did? Pardon me. Yeah, well, and he did. did. they did decline to indict him on the felony gun charge, and then just got the misdemeanor for driving without a license also dropped. So, again, he has had trouble with the law and gotten away with it. I'll go as far as to say I know he won't get away with this, but Keisha, I don't think you mentioned this because I was just looking at this while I was reading the article that that the score posted, that he just signed last summer a four-year, $82.5 million contract extension. So he's going into his third year and basically $20 million a season with the Houston Rockets. So that's why he's getting traded, not getting cut. It's because they don't want to pay him all that money. But at the same time, like... And he, and he averaged 19 points a game last year, his highest of his career. And I'm not trying to say that anyone will trade for him. I hope no one does. But they don't want to give him all that money. And he is a really good basketball player. It just sucks that he can't seem to keep himself out of trouble. And I forget, I forgot to mention this. And I think this might have played a role... And I think maybe this didn't play a role, but, like, he's had a troubled childhood, too. Um, he was only four years old when his dad got killed. Um, I'm going to say this. I don't think he goes to jail. But he should. One example of why I think that's the case, Miles Bridges. And arguably, that might have been more heinous than this. Both of them were hate. And he's still in the league. And he's still in the league. I don't know if they say athlete privilege is a thing. Oh, God, it it definitely is. Let's not not act like it it is on this show. But it is. Show, we'll talk about it. It is. There, there is no such thing as athletes get treated like everybody else. Cajun, if you and I started doing these things, you and I would be doing this podcast right now. You and I would be doing it behind bars, okay? You know, like pretty it, much. There, there is no. I, I just chuckle at that. If anyone actually thinks there isn't, they, they do not get treated like regular people. They don't. Not in public. Not on, not on the streets. Like how? And you, and again, different sport, Cage. But riddle me this, Batman. How does um, I don't remember his first name. I'll just say Addison, the wide receiver for the Vikings, freshly drafted out of USC. How does he get 
caught going a hundred and I want to say it was 60, but it might have been 140 in fairness to him in a 45. That's miles an hour in a sports car. He went a hundred miles an hour over the speed limit and he wasn't taken out of the league. All that happened to him, Cajun, was he got fined. So all he lost, a little bit of money, and he played week one for the, for the Minnesota Vikings. And I know I'm not comparing apples to apples here with domestic violence charges compared to a, a, a racing charge. But still, you know, it's very rare that athletes get treated like us. It's almost a fresh, like a, 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 a freshening, you know, experience when athletes get treated like normal human beings. Like when Michael Vick got the year in prison for the dog fighting. Or, I know these are all NFL players, but NFL is my specialty, as we talked about yesterday on the outrage, you know, and um, Henry Ruggs with, mm. the, with the vehicular manslaughter, also going at extreme speeds while intoxicated. I don't think Addison was intoxicated, but regardless, you know, and, and Ruggs killed people. Ruggs killed, I believe, a, a, a woman and, and her dog that were in the car that he hit. And now he's, he's going to prison, most likely. I believe his court case is still going on. But he's out of the league and may never play again. Which, no offense to Henry Ruggs, who's a good football player, shouldn't. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't. There are some things you, you know, actions have consequences. How can you tell a child actions have consequences when the athletes are watching on the court or on the field or on the ice don't? They don't. You know. And you know what? I, and you know what I think might be the most telling part of. This this part that is true, that I that I have a feeling that like we all believe we all say the innocent until proven guilty thing, but her sister went to Instagram. I don't know if you heard about this, but he, he she went to Instagram after KPJ's arrest, and I am going to paraphrase this because there is a lot of swearing in this. She tagged him and said, if you think you're going to touch my sister and not get touched, count your days. Better hope and pray you'll be able to ever walk again, let alone dribble. You may have gone away with this in the past because your, because your mama ain't beat you. I'm going to say butt, but we spank little punk butts, painting nails, sissy, bleep like you every day. Don't show up to that crib. We're going to do it to you. Well, that's a, that's a felony threat. I'm gonna do that for right now. But um, I don't even want to disagree with her because I can tell you as a man that if that was my sister, that my it would not be a, it would not be an Instagram post, but it would be a fact. It would be more a see me on site type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, you know, I know Cajun, you feel the same way. You know, if, if I showed up somewhere and I recognize you, you're not safe. Like you're not <laughs> like, that's a reality. You know, it's not trying to be, you know, not, not an eye for an eye, you know, type of thing. But the reality is, you know, con- actions have consequences. And if you make a decision, you can make that decision. But the moment you make that decision, I will make my decision. And um, I do want to mention the Miles Bridges uh, the, the Miles Bridges um, uh, incident. So um, his, well, I'll say wife, but looks like 
I'll say girlfriend instead, um, Michelle Johnson, who they have two kids together back in 2022 yeah. in June. He got charged for domestic violence and got bonded out. And he apparently assaulted her in front of their two children, which is heinous in its own right. And then um, looking through uh, Johnson's hospital report, which he posted on Instagram, she was an eight adult victim of abuse by male partner, which included assault by strangulation, brain concussion, closed fracture of nasal bone, contusion to the rib, which is a bruised rib, multiple bruises, a neck muscle strain. And then he was charged one felony of injuring a child's parent and two felony counts of child abuse as well. The following day, he pled not guilty to all three charges, and he pleaded no contest to the domestic char uh, domestic uh, domestic violence charge and was sentenced to three years probation. The other two charges were dismissed, so he cut a deal. He cut a deal to keep his NBA career. And again, as Cajun mentioned, he's back in the NBA. He is back with the Charlotte Hornets. Who draft who um who have had him since 2018. So don't think this Kevin Porter Jr. is not going to play in the NBA again. Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be on an NBA roster next year. If that's with Houston or if that's somebody else, by the time October 24th rolls around, Cajun, we don't know. But the reality is he'll be on another NBA roster. It's just a matter of who. Which mm -hmm. is sad, but kind of is the way it is, isn't it? And at least with, and I'm going to say this, at least with Miles Bridges, he didn't really have a history of this. He didn't really have a history of this. And I'm looking at this right now. His now, his, apparently the, it says Michelle Johnson is Miles Bridges' wife. A year after that, she claims, like, she has actually defended him and said he's not a woman beat. And there's like, um, a a like a, lo a lengthy Twitter post that she posted. Um, but Kevin Porter Jr. has had a uh, has had a history of trouble, and at this point, some like at this point, if you're Houston, yeah, you gave him a contract. But you gotta know when when it's time to cut loose, cut 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 all ties loose. So they should have already like the fact that they're trying to trade him away says that they know something they know something we don't. There's more they haven't told us about his undi his undisciplined actions while with the team. You know, because that also could be playing a factor cage, that there's other stuff that we obviously don't know about that, you know, also play a factor. But uh, mm -hmm. now going on to our, our last topic, I, I know that one was kind of hard hitting. That one was kind of um, more or less opinion and, and more just telling you what happened and telling you what we hope happens to Kevin Porter Jr., which is a suspension at the very least. Like, at the, at the very least. Because at the end of the day, even if he doesn't get convicted or if what happens to Miles Bridges, he got the deal, gets a couple years probation, whatever. The reality is, his uh, supposed, I hope, ex-girlfriend, but as you saw with Miles Bridges, his girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure what Michelle Johnson is, 
baby mama, I guess is the word I'll use. I, I hate using those words. Um, she stayed with Miles, and they're still together, as from what you said it looks like. I hope that Kaiser does not stay with Kevin Porter Jr. for her safety. And she does have a, a broken neck with a broken neck vertebrae and a cut under uh, um, over her right eye and has bruising around her neck. So if someone did it to her and she could have done it to herself, you'd expect, you'd hope, you'd think. So you got to hope the NBA does something. And I'm not going to say puts their foot down, but kind of says, okay, we can let certain things get a- you can get away with. But some things you can't. And this is one of those things where you can't, Cajun. I think you agree with me. You can't. There's some things you, can- you can't get away with, and this is one of them. This is definitely one of them. But now to go on to a rule that the NBA did change officially is the uh, player participation policy. Yes, you and I talked about it during the FIBA World Cup, how we hated that the NBA players sit out, don't play, you know, whatever. They're restricting up the rules a little bit. Now for violations of the team, um, of of the player participation policy, it's $100,000 for your first offense as a team. You're two hundred and fifty thousand for your second offense, and a million for three plus. So after two, it's a million per violation. So what will those violations be because of? A star player is defined as someone who is a is an who's made an all-star or NBA team in the last three years. By definition, the new rule will impact twenty-five teams and fifty players this season. Unless a team has approved reason for a star to sit out, teams will be required to have at least one star player available for every game. Ensure stars are available for nationally televised and in-season tournament games, balanced stars, one-game absences between between road and home contests, with a preference for missing home games, and avoid shutting down or reducing the roles of star players in a way that could affect the integrity of the game. There also are some loopholes to it where a star player, uh, you can grant a star player to miss back-to-back games if they're over 35 by opening day. So by October 24th, they're 35. They played 34,000 minutes of game time in, in the regular season and playoffs or played 1,000 games in the regular season or playoffs. Or have an extensive injury history. Are there loopholes to that new rule? Are there loopholes to that new rule? Is that what you're asking me? No, no. I'm. I was just finishing my statement up. There are there are loopholes to the new rule. It's just, you know, they are rather hard to hit. You have to be a really veteran player to get away with it. And then I'll finish off your occasion with this is the second measure the NBA has taken this year to uh, mitigate load management. In April, the league and the Players Association agreed to a new collecting bargaining agreement that required players to play to make at to make at least 65 appearances in order to qualify for top individual awards such as the MVP, etc. So they're trying occasion to fix what you and I complained about about guys sitting out. Do I think it's really going to change anything? I don't know. But if anything's going to, it's this new this new change, Cajun, with the big fines. These are not the $25,000, $50,000 fines. These are big fines that are going to be hitting teams. And, yes, they are billionaires, but that's not cash. That's stock. That's land. That's everything. Their net worth is everything. They don't have that in cash. They're not going to have $10 million to give away 
in a you know bunch of violations of this new rule. You know, so it's a start. Hopefully they continue with this to continue to get guys to show up because Adams, as Adam Silver said, Cajun, if you're healthy, if you if you are a healthy player in this league, the expectation is you're going to play. This is an we are an 82 game league. So Adam Silver obviously sees the problem, Cajun. Do you think these new policies for the player participation are going to affect this season? That guys are going to play more, or do you think it's not going to make any difference at all? I think it's going to be make a big good, bit of a difference, but I don't think it's going to make a big big difference because, like any sort of rule, teams are going to find loopholes. They're going to try to find way way to finesse it. But I will say this: this is a step in the right direction because we've seen too many of the and too many of this where stars sit out games. And it, 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 it's been a problem. It's been a problem as my dog agrees with, uh, my dog agrees with that take too. Um, but it's, it has been a problem, like not only for the league, but also for fans who just want to watch their favorite player play only for, for them to be read to not play due to load management. And then, of course, there's the fantasy basketball side that they get cheese whenever a player gets rested due to load management. So it affects everyone and it, and it, and not in a good way. So hopefully this... Obviously, teams are going to find loopholes around this. And there's no really really effective rule to curbing load management. But the NBA is trying to do something to curb it. And you see a lot of load management with these stars. So hopefully this does put a stop to it. I don't think it'll put a stop to it. But I think it's going to, uh, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of those egregious load management reasons for, for, for some of their stars. Like what Dallas did at the end of the, sea, end of the season, just to blatantly tank just to get their top 10 draft pick. I don't think something like that's going to happen. And, and I, I, I think most fans hope that doesn't happen, right? Because if that does happen, then all the teams are going to do it, and it's be, going to become an epidemic which no yeah. one wants. Yeah, absolutely. So if that puts it, if this rule puts an end to that and to stuff like that, I'm all for it. And I hope it does. I hope it does too, but that'll be it here for us from Polar Opposites for Cajun Theory with Fanny Castle on the Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for taking in episode number 12 of Polar Opposites. We'll see you for number 13 next week. Same time, same place here on the Outrage Inc. Mm-hmm.